If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So you're always planning ahead, you're making plans, and you're always coming up with your contingencies. So a storm, and we're in the Southern Ocean where there's no ships to tell you what's going on, but your senses of, does it, does the temperature change? Is the moisture changing? Are the waves uh, altering? You know, what does it feel like in terms of the pressure in your ears? And so you're always on, you're always looking at, we're going this way, we're absolutely going to lose the spinnaker, we're going to have to go with the jib. So it's a combination of real life engineering, problem solving, crisis management, and again, just freaking awesome sailing. That was Don Riley explaining what it takes to captain a racing sailboat in rough seas. Don has made history by leading crews in the biggest competitions, including the America's Cup and the grueling Whitbread Round the World race. No wonder Sports Illustrated named her one of the hundred greatest female athletes of the 20th century. I'm Alain Revere, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Dawn Riley has so many firsts to her name, it's hard to keep track. In 1989, she joined the crew of Maiden, the first all-women's boat to participate in the Whitbread Round the World race. In the following years, she was the first woman ever to manage an entire America's Cup sailing team. And she was skipper of Heineken, the only all-women's entry in the 1993-94 Whitbread race. Don has also served as president of the Women's Sports Foundation, which was created by Billie Jean King to advocate for women and girls in sports. Listen and learn why Don Riley is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm speaking today with sailing legend Don Riley. 
John, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Well, you are one of the world's legendary sailors, a true pioneer with several firsts to your name. Among them, you were the first woman to sail in both the America's Cup and the Whitbread race. What draws you to the sport? What drew you in in the first place and what makes it like nothing else? Well, I started sailing a very long time ago, so I'm not quite sure what it was that drew me to the sport, but I do know that now I love the combination of being outside of the physical side of it where you're pushing yourself to the absolute limit. And then also, especially when you get higher in the sport, the mental aspect of having to put together you know, an America's Cup or a nonprofit foundation or a team. We just finished the Mackinac race with 22 people on an 86-foot boat. The logistics, the problem solving, you're, you're never off. You're always on, on, on. Sounds truly challenging, just uh, as it does when we think about what you all do as sailors. You were the skipper of an all-women's team in 1993 in the Whitbread Round the World race. That's nine months of sailing 33,000 miles across the world's oceans. What is that like for those of us who have no comparable experience? (laughs) And you mentioned some of the tough challenges that sailors have. What was the toughest part of this? That one was actually the management of the team. So I had been the watch captain, diver, and engineer on Maiden, the race before. That was an all-women's team, uh, skippered by Tracy Edwards in the movie Maiden, obviously. And so Heineken, I was called in at the end of uh, the first leg when there'd been a mutiny on board. So I was literally, if you put it in business terms, there had been a hostile takeover, and I was brought in as the new CEO And to do that whilst you're also sailing through the Southern Ocean and 30, 40 knot winds and snow and ice, that was a challenge. My goodness, that's quite a combination. A mutiny and and weather impacts that are rather severe. Mm -hmm. So how does one stay mentally strong? Because you, you talked about the fact that you do really need to be disciplined. How do you deal with storms? How do you deal with high seas and other kinds of challenges? Well, this should come as no surprise to any human who's successful. Preparation is key. So you're always planning ahead, you're making plans, and you're always coming up with your contingencies. So a storm, well, even back then, we didn't have as good weather uh, information, clearly, and we're in the Southern Ocean where there's no ships to tell you what's going on. But you can still get satellite images of the fronts and an idea, but your senses of Does the temperature change? Is the moisture changing? Are the wave uh, altering? You know, what does it feel like in terms of the pressure in your ears? All of that. And so you're always on. You're always looking at, we're going this way. This, you know, we've got 40 knots of wind. It's behind us. If it comes further forward, we're absolutely going to lose the spinnaker. We're going to have to go with the jib. If that happens, I will do this. If that happens quickly, then it's going to be more of an emergency. We're going to you know, blow that tack so that we can get it down and unload the loads. So it's a combination of uh, real life engineering, problem solving, crisis management, and again, just freaking awesome sailing. <laughs> well, you had said that it really takes preparation. And I wonder, to be mentally strong, to do all the things you just described, Are there exercises you do? How do you prepare? We definitely work out. So physically, we prepare. 
mentally, I think, honestly, it's just convincing yourself to rip off the Band-Aid and go for it. And the more you plan, the easier it is to take that first step. We were talking about that this morning at Oak Cliff Sailing, the nonprofit that I run right now. Most of the time when people are coming up with excuses or not starting a project is because they don't know how and they're afraid. So once you just say, I can do this, and you take the first step, you get a great sense of accomplishment after. So you were describing some of what you went through with those nine months on the sea in the big Whitbread race. Did you have any close calls either in that experience or in other experiences? (laughs) The funny thing is, is I have had very few injuries and none of them have been on boats. It's always been something stupid. (laughs) Like I have a broken arm right now. I slipped on my porch because it was rainy and sandy and broke my arm. That is too funny. But on the boat, you prepare and you take all of the precautions. So I've flown F-16s, I've jumped out of planes, I've bungee jumped, I've sailed you know, around the world twice, I've pushed myself to the limit, and I slip and fall. Such is life. Yes. <laughs> now, I know that in 1992, uh, you were the first woman actively involved in the America's Cup, and that seems pretty late in the game for women to be starting sailing in such a prestigious event. Why did it take so long? Are there more obstacles for women that you can describe for us? Well, there's the same obstacles. Uh, Sailing's no different. It's actually more competitive than life because one, the sailing at the lower levels, you're working on getting your skills up. You're overcoming the idea that you're not as strong, physically fit. And then that translates. They say, you know, she might be good, but she's not strong enough. The good news for me is that I'm uh, definitely stronger than the average human female. So that helps. But the real final frontier in terms of breaking glass ceilings is having somebody to pull you up. So when you're the first, it takes a lot more effort. The second, it's a little bit easier, but it's not until we get to the third that then you start being able to get equality. And you need women in the leadership to pull people up. So that's what took so long. It's just somebody breaking through up into the leadership. And you feel that you're the first when when that is occurring. Is that a special pressure that's on, on you at the time? You know, I was 25 when I did my first round the world. I was 30 when I did my second America's Cup. So I was able to... Um, <laughs> I was able to be young and naive and like, this is cool. This is awesome. Yay. (laughs) And it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I started looking for my next gig that I realized, okay, I need to do something. And that's really why I put together my own America's Cup in 2000. And it was a mixed team. Uh, We were trying to go for diversity. We didn't have enough of a pool to pull from. So instead of saying, oh, well, we'll just be co-ed and not diverse, we made it a co-ed team. And then we started True Youth Programs working in underserved communities to get sailing into diverse populations. And we're starting to see the payoff for that. Granted, it's 2021, but we're starting to see much more diversity in the sport of sailing. And I'm personally very proud of that. Yeah, that's that's wonderful because uh, you don't see that uh, in sailing so much for sure. 
Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We'll be back after this short break. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I know you've also helmed all women crews in both the America's Cup and Whitbread. Are there advantages that women bring to sailing or is it, you know, what it appears to be? It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman and diversity is critically important. I think the question, diversity is absolutely important, especially when you're doing the problem solving. So diversity of gender, background, racial diversity, just a different way of thinking makes your team stronger. And that goes very clearly for a profitable business all the way down to a sailing event. The thing that women do bring is that they have a new perspective. They often are slightly unsure of themselves, which you would think would be a detriment, but it forces them to think through the problems rather than jump. And so they tend to be smarter and more qualified and better at positions like the pit, which is very technical in terms of which sales are going up and down and organizational or trimming where you have to look at it and think outside of the box as opposed to just jumping, jumping in and pulling, which the guys are really good at doing. <laughs> They're just like, Ooh, give me that pull done. And a female will often say, let me think this through. And that seems to be the case in other pursuits as well. So it's uh, interesting that it holds for sailing. Well, let's go back a bit. Tell us about your growing up, your childhood. What led you to become uh, this extraordinary professional in sailing? Take us back. Well, I started sailing with our family. When I was 13, we took off for a year with my parents, my younger brother and sister. And we sailed the whole, from the Great Lakes out to the East Coast, all the way up and down to Florida, the Bahamas, the Virgins, Grenada, and back. So that clearly expanded my horizons. 
Um, so, and I realized that sailing was a vehicle, of course, being a female in the late seventies, early eighties, when there were no female sailors and very few professional sailors, I kind of had to figure it out as I went, but there was one thing that was critical that I think, especially this podcast audience would be interested in is that when I was in fourth grade, a woman named Sheila Young came to my school, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Cratch, and she showed her us her medal from the Olympics in speed skating. Oh, my goodness. Sheila Young was part of friends with and part of the beginning of the Women's Sports Foundation with Billie Jean King. Mm-hmm. So that was super influential to me. And then you jump forward to 2002, and I became the president of the Women's Sports Foundation that Billie Jean King and Sheila Young started. So you never know how long it's going to take for one small, you know, what was she there, 45 minutes? And for that to change the life and of a person and the you know, career of quite a few people. Well, and what an impressionable moment that clearly was for you. Did anybody else in your family go into professional sailing? Uh, my sister is very good at it. She worked with me and the America True uh, Foundation in development and did some sailing on the boat. She did more sailing after the America's Cup, and she runs the city of Oakland Rec and Park in California. And my brother has what we call a normal job and a wife and three kids. And he still is a very good sailor, but neither one of them make their living off of it like I do. Well, and you're successfully doing it. You did mention the uh, Women's Sports Foundation. I wonder if you could talk about why women and girls, why it's important for them to have full access and opportunities in sports, because we know that it's crucial, even if you never become that super athlete or that super professional. Sports do make a difference for women and girls. You know, talk about that a little bit, please. Absolutely. The, there's statistics and studies, and we've been saying the same stats over for the past 35 years. You know, 87, 90%, depending on which study, which year, women in business and leadership directly attribute their success to their competitive sports uh, when they were in high school or college. Women need to identify as competitive athletes and learn how to win and how to lose and keep going. The, you know, it, when I hear some parents say, well, isn't it nice they played soccer? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's great they played soccer and they were competitive. Um, it even goes, this is a funny little story. I was on the stage in Sweden with a woman who had skippered the round the world race on SCA and she had the microphone and was basically saying the typical, well, I'm so lucky. It's so nice. We were able to go around the world. And I literally grabbed the microphone out of her hand. I said, what Sam meant to say is she's freaking good. And they (laughs) kicked butt going around the world. And then I said, hey, I have a super yacht that I need a helmsman for. Do you want to steer the boat in New Zealand? She said, yep. And I said, that's how the guys do it. Exactly. So you have your own network now, uh, working uh, one person at a time. Exactly. You know, I've heard data uh, myself about women in the C-suites as CEOs, that the great, great majority of them uh, were engaged in competitive sports in years earlier. Absolutely. 
So that competition does pay off, even if you uh, don't become a sports professional. And I need to say this one more time. It is super critical to have representation in all leadership, whether it's a super yacht that's owned by an increasing number of wealthy women. If they have men putting their crews together, they will not have women on the team. In a corporation, if you have three women on your board, you will be more successful. Bottom line, if you just have one just to check a box, it's not going to work. You need two or three women, and then the whole company is more successful. And that's proven over and over and over. So we should get over it and just make it happen. And thank you for repeating it, because that uh, diversity advantage uh, needs to be stated over and over. uh, And there's so much evidence today to back up what you said uh, so compellingly. We're all watching the Olympics now, and I know that uh, you teach sailing. You've also coached at the Olympic level. Are any of your sailors in the Tokyo Games? Yep, quite a few of them. We have five different classes that train here out of Oak Cliff with the the 49er FX, which is uh, 49er men, FX women, 470 men and women, the Finn, which is single-handed male, um, and the NACRA 17, which is mixed co-ed catamaran. So all of those sailors in those classes have trained here. And the United States in sailing is in a rebuilding phase. We really kind of tried to shake things up literally 20 years ago, and it didn't work. It's a long process because the sport of sailing is so complicated. It is not just going out and being fit and strong and reaching your peak when you're 16 years old, because you have to add that mental, you have to have that experience. Again, that I talked about at the very beginning, the smell, the feeling, the waves, the experience of seeing it before will make you a better sailor and win more races. So we're in a rebuild year. And right now in those classes, half of them are in the top 10, but we're, we're holding on. And, and which countries are the best at sailing at, at this point? It's, um, it used to be America, and then it used to be Great Britain, and with the New Zealand and the uh, Australian thrown mm-hmm. in. Now it's quite broad and open. So a lot of the Scandinavian countries are good. Uh, Brazil is phenomenal. Australia, New Zealand, England are all still pretty strong. And then occasionally you have a, you know, Japanese, Chinese, Thailand, um, Guam. <laughs> you don't know. Y'all come, it sounds like. Everybody's yep. getting into the game. Yep. So a- as the professional uh, sailor that you are, when you're watching um, Olympic sailing events on TV, what do you watch for? I don't like watching because it makes me nervous. (laughs) When I'm sailing, I'm totally fine. If I know somebody and I want them to win, I'm a basket case. It's always the case. It doesn't matter if it's sailing or or some other competition. Mm -hmm. Well, we've all been through um, a tough year, and I dare say uh, it hasn't ended in terms of COVID. Uh, It's been rough. Uh, What gives you hope at this time? Oh, I am so optimistic right now. The first thing is for COVID, because we are international in terms of our friends, we knew it was coming. We locked in February 5th, 2020. We had zero cases of COVID. We ran full programming. We started a high school. We just came back from what could have been the impossible of racing the Chicago and the port here in Mackinac with very small people on board the boat. Our average crew crew weight was 120 and normally it's 190. 
So we did the first race. We're first to finish the second race. We, I just got back from that. We were third in class, third overall, first to finish. And we smashed and grabbed the course record, uh, beating it by two hours. So I am in an upswing, but also I'm seeing that people, as long as we get these vaccination rates up and people wear masks out of courtesy, I'm seeing people going back to work, going back to school. I'm getting more team building, more speaking. It's just, I'm seeing it all happening. And yes, we have to be careful. But when the news is making up stories about back to school supplies are going to be more expensive, they're digging deep for the negative. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned again, uh, the importance of getting those vaccination rates up. Well, we're Reach that point, unfortunately, where we're at the end of our conversation. But I can't thank you enough on behalf of our listeners, Don. This has been uh, just tremendously illuminating for those of us who don't know sailing as much as we might. Thank you for making us understand what it's like, for sharing that experience, and also for telling us so much more about uh, its importance, particularly in developing women's leadership and the diversity advantage. So thank you, Don Riley, that sailing legend that you are. <laughs> thank you so much. And come visit me at Oak Cliff Sailing in Oyster Bay anytime. That was great. There's so much we can learn about life and leadership from sailing icon Don Riley. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, when women break a glass ceiling, whether it's in sports or business, they have a responsibility to help others come in behind them. As Don says, the real final frontier is having somebody to pull you up. And that means having enough women in leadership to influence who gets picked or hired. Because if there's just one woman on a team or a board, it's harder for change to happen. Second, as we've heard before, Diversity is an advantage for any team. In sailing, women bring something special to a crew. Don says that they are often slightly unsure of themselves, and that, surprisingly, is a good thing. Women's uncertainty causes them to think through problems rather than just jumping to hasty conclusions. Finally, it's important that girls be involved in sports. Don reminds us that so many women leaders trace their success to having played competitive sports in high school or college. It teaches them how to win, how to lose, and how to keep going. Tune in next Thursday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space.
Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.